0: Our guest for today's episode is my friend Kat Harris. Kat is the co-founder of the online publication, The Refined Woman, and she's the host of the Refined Collective podcast. Her vision is for women to know their beauty, their identity, and their value. I love that so much. I just knew we needed to have her on the show. So Kat and I have really similar hearts, actually. We both love talking about singleness and dating and relationships, but there's this one specific part of the whole thing that Kat really focuses on, and that's sex. We cover so much in this episode. I asked Kat a million questions and I am so grateful for her honesty and for her insight. Here are just a few of the things we talk about. We talk about what the Bible really says about sex before marriage. We talk about what to do if you've already had sex but you wanna do things differently moving forward. We talk about how to set physical boundaries in your relationship, how to live within those boundaries, what to do if you screw up. We talk about masturbation and so much more. Friends, if you've ever found yourself asking big questions about sexuality, purity, and boundaries, I mean, that's all of us, right? You are going to love this conversation. But before we dive in, I wanted to make sure you'd heard my big news. Okay, the big news other than the fact that I'm pregnant with twin baby girls, which is huge news, so exciting. But the other big news is that I have a brand new prayer journal coming out this August, and you guys, I am so excited about it. It's called the Between Places, a hundred days to trusting God when you don't know what's next. Now, here's the thing. We all find ourselves in between places throughout our lives. Maybe you're single and dating and wondering if you're ever going to meet the person you're looking for. Maybe you're dating someone right now and you're wondering if he's the one. Maybe you've worked in the same career for several years now, which has left you absolutely sure that this is not what you want to do for the rest of your life, which also brings up the question, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? This prayer journal is for those moments in life, those times where your future feels really uncertain, when you're waiting for something, longing for something, or working for something, but it just isn't happening. It's for those times when you know where you want to go, but you have no clue how to get there, and those times when you have no clue where you want to go, and the process of trying to figure it out has you twist it up in anxious knots. This is a book about how to trust God with your future, and I am so excited to share it with you. So The Between Places is going to be coming out in August, and I'll tell you lots more about it coming up, but guys, I just am truly so excited to get this prayer journal into your hands. It has been a labor of love for me, so much of my heart, and so much of everything that I've learned about God throughout my whole life, but especially in this last season, is in this book, and so I'm just so excited to share it with you. Okay, but with all that said, let's jump into my episode with Cat. Hey friends, I'm so excited for who I have sitting here with me today. I cannot wait for you to meet my dear
1: friend, Kat Harris.
0: Kat, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful for what you're up to. And I'm just so grateful that we have connected through the wonderful world of the internet and get to cheer each other on. And now our text friends and voice memo friends and all the things. I love it so much. Um and Kat, you need to
0: know I have like I can't believe it's taken me this long to have you on the show because you've been on my radar for such a long time. And I'm pretty sure I have at least one folder in my Dropbox that says like questions for Kat Harris or like (laughs) inviting Kat to be on the show or not. It's just, I mean, I'm believing that the timing is perfect, but also it's just, it is about time. So. Yes. Well, I
1: felt that way about you too. And we have so many mutual friends. And finally, I was like, I'm just going to slide into her DMs and voice memo her and be like, hi (laughs) i'm Catherine. do you want to be friends (laughs) and and i was like yes i've been meaning to do the same
0: thing and i love that and i feel like that's just encouragement right off the bat you guys seriously like just reach out because you never you have you never know what's gonna happen and what's gonna come from it and sometimes like i've totally reached out to people and heard nothing (laughs) and that happens you know sometimes like we're just not we don't have bandwidth for another like you know, another text message even right, sometimes. Right. But you just never know what's gonna happen. And so anyway, Kat, I'm so glad we get to be friends. I am
1: I am so grateful. I just like slammed my knee on my table. So if you like, <laughs> if anyone you heard that edit that out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and I think just One more thing to add on to that, um, just in the spirit of a community and friendship is, you know, we do similar things. And we both talk to single women. We both have programs for single women. And I just think it's so important for people to experience and see, like, you're not my competition. Like, we can encourage each other and pray for each other. Like you've been praying for me, I've been praying for you. And I just wonder what could happen in our culture, what could happen in our churches, what could happen in our communities if, especially as women, we stop seeing each other as like threats or competition or compared ourselves. And instead we're like, Wow, when Stephanie wins, I win, and when I win, pers- this person over here wins. Like life is really not about competition; it's about creating. Like there actually is space at the table for everyone. Um, I'm, so, so I'm super passionate about that. Oh, I'm so glad you said that.
0: I'm so glad you said that. Well, so Kat, I'm glad that you mentioned this. You know, you and I really do sim- like such similar things, and. Before we dive into today's topic, which I'm super excited about, can you give us a little bit of background, you know, speaking of singleness and relationships, and we're going to be talking about sex. Um, yes. Can you tell us like just a little bit of background on your love life? Like, you know, where yeah. are you currently? Yeah, You know, kind of an overview of where you've been and mm-hmm. also how does sex play into that? I guess yes. maybe we should have warned girls. Uh, this is maybe a headphones conversation, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing from the title you knew, but you know, if you're in the car or at the gym or something, like this might not be one of the ones that you want to have like blasting in your or car. Or maybe
1: it is. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's like the Kanye album where it gets people talking no matter where you are on the spectrum. It's going to start a conversation. <laughs> so, yes, our conversation was just... Compared to Kanye West. So. That's amazing. That's <laughs> amazing.
0: So, welcome, guys. Glad you're here. Yes, <laughs>
1: here. So, yeah, can, um, give
0: us some background.
1: Yeah. So, where I'm at now is I, I'm 34 years old. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I am single. I am looking for a serious, committed relationship that leads to marriage with a man that loves Jesus, that has integrity and vision for his life. I like long walks on the beach. Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> So right now I am single and I am dating. So I am active on doing online dating. So a lot of people think like online dating is crap and it doesn't work. But I think it's a great way to put ourselves out there as single women, practice healthy boundaries, practice flirting, practice the art of dating, practice getting around um, other single men. I also been on a couple recent setups. I love being set up. I think setups are the best thing in the world. Um, because I think the people in our lives that know and love us, um, Noah can like we have blind spots and they might see something that we don't. So I'm always open and I make that known to my community and family and friends. Hey, even you, Steph. Hey, girl. Um, if like to my friends, if now you I'm know my that is like. <laughs> single, loves God, open for a setup, like let's connect because literally the worst that could happen is that we don't end up dating. And that's not even bad because I got to spend time getting to know another person that God really loves. That's where I'm at now. I'm full of hope. I'm full of expectancy, praying for the man of God um, that God has for me. I feel really excited about that. But for a very, very, very long time, I did not feel that way. For most of my teens, I, in 20s, I just always felt like the friend, like I lived in the friend zone. I was CEO of the friend zone. I just probably could write a book on how to like stay in the friend zone for the rest of your life. (laughs) I was like the girl that always had a crush on a guy. And finally we get close and he'd be like, I need to tell you something. I'm in love with your best friend. Uh, Oh my gosh. uh, Like, no. So that happened a lot. And then I went through, I went through a season where I attracted emotionally unavailable men, just like a moth to the flame. And I was also working through all my daddy issues in my twenties. And so, you know, I look back at that time and as painful as being single was, and there was even a time where I went seven years without going on a single date or a single handhold. And I look back at that and I'm like, wow, thank you God for not giving me what I wanted when I wanted it because I would have made a really big mess out of that. So I'm really grateful that through heartache and rejection and a lot of pain that God has kind of brought me to this place now of a lot more wholeness, a lot more of me walking in my worth and identity and who God says I am. So that's sort of that's sort of where I'm at now. A short stint, sorry, I'm a little bit jumping over. When I moved to New York City six and a half years ago, a lot changed for me. I went from like desert dating wasteland to like Dating more than I had dated in a decade and a year, and just I fell in love. I got heartbroken. and that that was a very interesting experience for me. And I know we're going to talk about sex in a little bit, but that was a very eye-opening experience for me because I was always like, "Oh, I'm gonna wait until marriage to have sex." And then I was like, "Oh, wait, it's like three billion times harder when you're actually dating someone. Uh, <laughs> So yes. <laughs> that definitely led me on a journey. Um, so that's a little bit about that. I mean, I used to like stay out till you make out. Like that's what my friends used to call it. We would like go to a bar and like stay out until we made out. And that didn't really end well for me ever. Um, <laughs> that, I, I, I usually I, just was like, I'm going to be the cool casual girl. And then like a day later would be like in love and heartbroken. Um, oh. So that's... Uh.
0: So I feel sick. like everyone's sitting here like leaning in, like, yes, so much <laughs> of that is me. Kat, so much of that is me. So, you mentioned that you were planning on waiting until you got married to have sex. Is that where you are still? Like, how did you come to that conclusion? Like, what made you want to make that decision? And, and like, is that still the decision you're sort of living under today?
1: yeah so I grew up in the South. Uh, I grew up in Texas, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I grew up in a home that taught me to wait until marriage to have sex and it was interesting. I was just talking to my mom about that recently. I was like, why was that a thing? like if that like you know, if that wasn't because of like Christian values or anything like why? And she just was like, honestly, like that's what my mom taught me that like good, good girls don't have sex until they're married. And I think probably a lot of that had to do with like image. And I know I, I feel like the South is very um, image driven. So that was just, that was a normal concept for me. And then when I turned 16, I'm no, no, no. Yes. When I was 16, I became a Christian, and going into my senior year, And when, like, soon after I became a Christian, I started learning about different concepts. One was modesty, and uh, there was all this talk about purity, and there were, like, purity ring ceremonies. And, you know, I went to them, and I got a ring that I put on my wedding finger that was my promise to God and myself and my future spouse that I was going to wait until marriage to have sex, and— Honestly, it didn't feel like a massive deal to me because I had already grown up in this home where it was like that was sort of the norm. And I also felt like, you know, I'm 16. I'll probably get married when I'm 19 or 20. I want to be like the young, cool mom. So it didn't really feel like any, like any sort of like sacrifice. And so I didn't really think much about it. So I knew this, I knew like the rule Right. But I didn't really have any like real vision on that. And then, you know, as a Bible major in college and still couldn't even tell you if there was a Bible verse in the Bible that said to abstain from sex before marriage. But that was I just was like, all right, well, they're probably right. I'm just going to keep waiting. And that was that worked all well and fine, mainly because my dating life was pretty non-existent. And I think other things happened too. um, The more I got involved in church culture and, and evangelicalism and some of those things were like, it was like someone's almost someone's salvation was dependent on whether or not they drank alcohol and whether or not they were having sex. And so there was so much shame around sex outside of marriage. And I was like, I'm a rule follower. I'm a three on the Enneagram. I want to be like the poster child Christian girl, like, whoa, like I don't <laughs> want to you know, be judged. And so I think that was going on too. And then I also think, I became really shut down to my sexual desire and my sexuality because of some unintended damaging messages that I received from about, like, modesty, like, I am for, you know, modesty, and I'm not ever saying, like, walk around naked. Like, guys can figure it out on themselves. But I I think the message that I received in a lot of church circles was, like, guys are so weak that, like, it's our job as women to protect them. And, like, we have to hide our bodies so that they don't struggle with lust. And I think the message underneath that message is that my body as a woman is dangerous and scary and should be hidden and like sex or sexual desire and sexuality is for like after you have a wedding ring on your finger. So there's a lot of things at play in as far as like me abstaining from sex. Like I was following the rule, but I was also mega shut down to my sexual desire and felt a lot of shame about it. And then I moved to New York City. And like I said a few minutes ago, a lot changed when I when I moved to New York. It was also in a time in my life where I was doing a ton of self-work, emotional intelligence work. I went to emotional intelligence trainings, retreats, seminars, workshops. I did a six-month leadership program. I did counseling, therapy, all the things. So I was really kind of digging into a lot of my past and why am I the way I am? Why do I believe what I believe? And then meantime, I'm in this crazy city and Most or not most, a lot of the Christians I had met were having casual sex or living with their significant others. And it was kind of the elephant on the wall inside the church that like no one was talking about. And I was like, well, uh, wait a second. Like, is not having sex something like, is that actually a thing? Or was that just something, some antiquated Christian norm from the South? Because being in a city like New York, it seemed like almost everyone I knew was having sex and they were volunteering at church. They weren't even hiding it. I was like, at least in the South, they're hiding it if they're (laughs) doing it. Um, But I actually love that about New Yorkers is it's like, this is who I am. Yeah. So then I dated a guy and we almost had sex a lot of times. and. I didn't ever feel guilty for it. Like we never went "quote unquote all the way" technically, but it definitely got me to a place where I was like, "Okay, something has to something has to change. I need to figure out what do I believe about sex before marriage?" And I had no idea if the Bible really said anything about it. And to be frank with you, Stephanie, I was at a point after this guy and I stopped dating Where I went to my best friend who doesn't share my faith or worldview and went to her and thought, well, if there's anyone that's gonna support me going and, you know, starting to have sex, it's gonna be this person. And so I went to her and said, you know, I think I'm gonna start having sex. Like I was like, I'm not gonna like get all crazy or anything, but you know, when I'm in a dating relationship, I think that's what I'm gonna do. And she said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. You've waited for almost 30 years for a reason. And you believe that reason really matters to God and yourself. And you need to do some work. You need to figure out what you believe. She's like, you need to read that Bible that you keep talking about. You need to seek Jesus. And she's like, if you get to the end of that and— from a place of wholeness can say, I want to move forward having sex, she's like, I'll give you the condoms. And so I look back and that was such a pivotal moment for me. I have this friend in my life that doesn't believe what I believe, but she loves me and sees me and fought for me when I didn't feel like being fought for. So I went on a journey that ended up being a little like over a year. And now has propelled me into so much of what I do for a living, which I never thought I would be doing. (laughs) But I ended up just researching every single verse in the Bible that I could find that talked about sex, desire, even premarital sex, extramarital sex, all the things. And I was shocked when I found, whoa, the Bible actually says so much about this. And then I was reading a bunch of psychology books and doing research from, you know, secular sources and watching TED Talks and by women like Helen Fisher, who's a scientist who says there's no such thing as casual sex. Like our brains aren't wired for it. And so I was finding all of these like Extra biblical compelling reasons to not have sex before marriage. And then seeing, oh, the Bible actually does say it's it's actually very explicit, like to abstain from premarital and extramarital sex. But it wasn't until I read the Genesis account of Adam and Eve that like God awakened my heart to his heart for intimacy and relationship. Like this, you know, Adam and Eve marriage relationship where you know, God puts like, God allows Adam to be lonely as he's naming all the animals in the universe. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And Adam's like, still has to be alone for a very long time. And it's always made me wonder, is that for him to, is that for Adam to be able to like sit with longing and sit with desire and yet not sin? Cause sin had not entered the world yet. Then God puts Adam to sleep and God forms Eve. Eve. And God fashions her and he presents Eve to Adam and awakens him. And Adam's first response when he sees Eve is honor and dignity and just bursts out into this poem of, like, oh my gosh, like at last, like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And like, it's the first like poetic song in scripture. And it's because he sees how valuable the human in front of him is. And he's moved. He's so moved by that. And then they get married. And then it says, you know, they'll like they'll leave their parents and like leave and cleave that verse. And then they'll get married and then they'll know each other. Then they'll have sex. So I did some research on the Hebrew there. And the thing that stood out to me I know this is a long answer, but this is why I'm no, waiting. No, this is so time. good.
0: Yes, no, I'm. I'm like, I'm. So, i loving every bit about this. So okay. keep
1: going. Um. So I felt like something about those verses like pinged me, and I was like, I feel like I need to know more here. And the what I discovered when, when a Hebrew boy. Proposed to a Hebrew girl. It was a very public thing. So families were involved, dowries were involved, but essentially what would happen is, you know, the guy would propose to the girl and then go back home and build their house attached to, typically attached to his parents' house because of the family career or the family business and they weren't allowed to get married until he had built her a house hmm. and then so you're think, you're talking like day in day out this guy like everyone in town this these are very like family centered communities like these are towns where like everyone knows everyone so like Jared over there is making a house for Sally And everyone knows every single day, wow, this guy is so serious about this woman that he's making, he's like sacrificing his time. He's sacrificing his money. He's getting uncomfortable and doing hard labor to let her know how valuable she is, how committed to her she is, how he's a one-woman kind of man, and his eyes are on her. He's willing to do whatever it takes to let her know that he wants to be with her, provide for her, protect her from the physical elements and spiritual elements. And I found that out, Stephanie, and I was like, holy cow, that's the type of relationship I want. Yet here I've been settling for guys that don't even want to hold my hand in the daylight. They only want to kiss me at night after a few drinks. Or I'm settling for guys that ghost me. Or I get stuck in this friend zone with guys. And and then I am giving my body physically, even though, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't having actual like penetrative sex but I was doing pretty much everything but and so I was like giving my body physically and my heart and and none and that wasn't being honored or protected and then I too was taking their heart and not protecting it and honoring it and I just felt you know, yes, I, I got to this place where I was like, okay, scripture is actually very clear to abstain from premarital sex. But I felt like in that Genesis two story, God from the very beginning reveals his heart for intimacy and commitment. And it's like, all of that is in place. And then they have sex. Like, it's like sex is like this climax (laughs) Pun intended. It's like this, almost like this orgasmic climax of this love story of these two people coming together where like he has pursued her. He has wooed her. He has worked to show not just her, but his family, her family, their entire community that he is serious about her. And, And the the physical manifestation of that sort of commitment is sex. And so I ended that whole journey more conservative physically than when I started. I I'm, I joke now, I'm like, well... God, the joke was on me because once I learned God's heart, yeah, I'm making the same decision that I was making six, seven, 10, even 15 years ago. But for a long time, I felt like a victim to Christianity. I was like, well, I'm not allowed to have sex. And now I feel so empowered. I feel so grounded that, wow, God is so freaking good. He has so many good things and He wants me to know and my husband to know know, how adored we are, how honored we are. And so if that means that I abstain from sex before I get married, then I will do that with joy. And I mean, even these words coming out of my mouth, like I wish you guys would have known me six years ago when I was like, I'm throwing in the towel. Like <laughs> I would never have thought these words coming out of my mouth. So now I'm like, do I want to have sex? Heck yes. Like I cannot wait till to get married. And I'm a very physical person. So being in relationships with guys like. That was a whole other thing than figuring out what are my physical boundaries now. Because if I want, if I really, really, really want to protect this, then everything but doesn't really work. <laughs> so I can get more into that later. But that is my journey of how did I get there, why I'm staying there. Why I'm still choosing this thing, even though you know we live in a culture that says our sexuality—we are our sexuality, like our sexuality is our Um, identity—and I just don't buy that because Scripture says uh, Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight, I made in the image of God, I'm a child of God, that's who I am, and Mm -hmm. I want to trust that He has good, good things for His children, and that means good things for our sex lives too.
0: Kat, I love this. I'm so, so glad that you shared all of this. It's interesting because, um, and I talk about this way more in my book, The Lipstick Gospel. If you guys haven't heard this story yet, um, send me a message. I can give you a a copy for free because I want you to be able to hear because, you know, I know that there's some women listening who are like, okay, I have been having sex. And like, mm-hmm. what does this mean for me? And that was my story. I <laughs> wasn't really taught that I should wait. I, you know, I didn't really grow up in a super conservative Christian home. Um, I mean, I was taught to like, be careful with it, you know, and that mm-hmm. this is an important thing. And and to, you know, there are all kinds of consequences that can come from this. And like, <laughs> this is not something to throw around. But I, you know, those are kind of the the parameters I went in with. And so I like was having sex. It was part of my life and part of my Mm -hmm. relationships. And then when I became a Christian at the end of college, I think that like these different pieces of our lives come into focus in different times. You know, there are, I I don't know why this came into focus so quickly, but I became a Christian and like three days later, I'm starting to ask questions about sex because I knew that that was part of my life. And I'd heard rumors that Christians don't have sex or that they shouldn't Mm -hmm. quote unquote. And I wanted to know why, because if I'm going to do something, I want to like really do it. I didn't, you know, becoming a Christian was such a huge deal for me and such a huge pivot in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like halfway do it. And so if this was something that was important to God, I wanted to know, and I wanted to know why. And, you know, one of the things that I think was really beautiful about the fact that I came to this so much later is that I missed all of those shameful messages. Like I missed, Mm -hmm. you know, the messages of, I'm so glad you mentioned like purity culture and the fact that like, not only is that teaching women that our bodies are dangerous, but it's teaching us that guys are stupid and weak and they're neither of those things. And like, I just, that, that doesn't give men any credit either or, right. uh, or allow them to be as strong as they can be either. And so any, anyway, I missed out on all of that. And, and I was never taught that sex is this like terrible bad thing. Instead, I, the reason that I, came to a different conclusion. You know, the reason that I decided I wanted to stop having sex was because for me, it was um, hearing a sermon series on Song of Solomon Mm. and getting to hear through this love story, this love song, mm-hmm. poem, what yeah. romance and what pursuit and what sex can look like. And I've, I've talked about this. I've talked about this in a couple different places. You guys, I'm going to link to this in the show notes because so many of you guys have sent me emails being like, what's the link for that sermon series? I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can listen. But um, instead of being told like, this is a bad thing, this is a dirty thing, you know, mm-hmm. you are it's the sin above all sin. Like God won't yeah. love you anymore if you have sex, which is not true. I got to be shown like a better way. And because I had been, you know, doing things my own way. I had been having sex. Like mm. it really, I got to see the side-by-side comparison of what my plan looked like and what God's plan looked like. Yeah. And it was everything that you just said about Genesis 2. It was the it was the pursuit. It was the someone being sure that they that they wanted me and me not having to like do things I didn't want to do necessarily to to Mm -hmm. earn their love. It was this idea that the next time that I had sex could be after I walked down the aisle and promised to love someone forever and had them promise me that same thing in front of my family and my friends and in front of God. And um, Mm -hmm. if you'll, if you ask uh, my husband, Carl, like why we waited, he would say the same thing. He would talk about honor and he would talk about doing hard things together. And Mm -hmm and, and really protecting my heart and, and knowing that like just the, the character and the strength and the, the things that come from delaying your gratification in that way um, Mm. and really putting other parts of your relationship first. And so I, so really it was, it was seeing what was possible, not, not being told that what I was doing was bad or shameful. It was just seeing like God created us and he, he created marriage. He created sex. He like, he engineered this whole thing. So he might have some better ideas than I did about how to do yeah. it. And yeah. um, it just was so, I mean, it was really game-changing for me. And so um, I I too thought that, okay, I'll stop having sex. I think I was 21. And uh, I thought that, you know, well, I'll get married in like two years. It was like seven years or eight <laughs> years. I mean, it was like, a, it was a minute after that, <laughs> but it was so good. It was so good. And I'm, and I'm so glad of that decision that we made. Mm-hmm. So Kat, you, you mentioned... Just w- some of the things that scripture says about sex. And then you said that you ended this journey feeling more like more conservative than mm. you went into it. And, um, kind of, you know, where to set those boundaries. And I know for me, because I had been having sex mm-hmm. when I decided I wasn't going to anymore, I set the boundary pretty far back because I knew that like, the The difference between like one thing and another thing is just like kind of small. You know, I, yeah. I didn't want to play with semantics. I didn't want to push yeah. the boundary anymore. I wanted to like actually, actually save this. And so mm-hmm. um, the boundary that I set was, I, you know, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to do anything but really make out until, mm-hmm. until I was married. And so how did you set those boundaries? And like, what do you see in scripture about that? What advice do you have on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so... I feel like the clear scripture that we have about um, just physical boundaries is when the New Testament talks about to flee from sexual immorality. And I still think it's like super frustrating to me that the Bible still translates the Greek word pornea as like sexual immorality or fornication, because what in the heck does that even mean? Like, okay, <laughs> God, you don't have like,
0: a diagram for us? Come yeah, on, I'm like, like I don't, don't understand,
1: right? And so, um, I did some research on the Greek there and what so sexual immorality to flee from sexual immorality uh, and that word porne is referenced 25 times in the new testament by the way so i know there's like a whole sex positive movement going on right now and like the reality is that the Bible does say very clearly to, um, flee from sexual morality, but here's what it is. Pornea. That's where, that's a Greek word where we get words like pornography from. And w- with the idea there is to flee from sexual activity with anyone who's not your spouse. So that means sexual activity out, like, Before marriage, and if you're married, so affairs and adultery and stuff like that. And so, I think the really interesting part here is if we're looking at the text, scripture says to flee from sexual activity with anyone that isn't your spouse. So, then from there, I was like, Well, then what's sex? Like, I don't know how frank I'm allowed to be on your podcast, but you're allowed to be really frank. Where it's girls' night. Okay, great. So, I felt like, Okay, is, is, sex more than penis and vagina? Like, yeah. is it? Like, is there, is is sexual activity, like, is it more encompassing than just penetration? Because that's how, it wasn't like taught that in the church, but it was always like, well, how far is too far? You know, like, where's the line and how can I get all the way up to it? So I started doing some research and I found that that definition of sex that we get with like You know, penetrative, penetrative, like penis and vagina sex, is from Sigmund Freud. He's an atheist philosopher, and basically, sex—that's like what he defines sex as—is this, you know, it was like mechanical, robotic, like body parts touching, when those body parts touch, like that is what sex is. And I think that's important to have like an ultimate distinction of what the physical act of sex is, especially when there's abuse going on and being in the court system and legal system and needing to identify that stuff. But I think I got to this place where I was like, I don't want to have like an atheistic perspective worldview, defining what sex is to me. And then I did more research And found out that 75% of women cannot climax through penetrative sex. So, the sexual peak of 75% of women comes with clitoral stimulation. So, that's external, like, that's external stimulation of the clitoris. So I thought that was like, wow, super interesting. Because I, and then I had a conversation with a friend who got married in her 30s and waited until marriage to have sex. And, you know, she, Basically, had her and I both have been kind of doing like everything but, you know, and Mm -hmm. she got married and realized like she was one of the 75% of women who can't orgasm during sex. And she had this moment where she was, she told me she felt all this shame. And I don't think that's what God wanted for her or wants for her or wants for anyone who's hearing this. Um, She's like, man, I've actually been like reaching my sexual peak with so many men since I was a teenager. And she, she grieved that. And I grieved that and it just, I kind of got to this place where I was like, wow, like what if sex is more than just that? And I'm not making a case saying like sex is when a guy puts his hand on your boobs. Like I'm not saying that, (laughs) but I think it's important to pause and think, why do you think what you think about sex? Mm-hmm. and it's also important to know what happens in our minds and our bodies when we orgasm so we can orgasm when we're making out we can there's a lot of different ways that we can orgasm but when we orgasm and this is why um Helen Fisher she says there's no such thing as casual sex because when we orgasm oxytocin and dopamine are released from our brains and oxytocin is that feel good bonding hormone that causes you to bond with someone. So like when you hug a friend or when a mom is breastfeeding her newborn or in physical intimacy with um, a partner or a husband or a boyfriend, um, oxytocin is released and that acts as a it bonds you to that other human. Like there are actual neural pathways in your brain that neurologically form that bond you to this other human. And I think that's why in Christian world and circles, we call it, we say things like soul ties. And it's so, it's, what's interesting to me is that science actually backs that up. And then dopamine is the reward center of our brain. So dopamine is that little hit we get when we see how many likes we get on Instagram and we're like, yes, or, oh, that, the guy we like just texted us and his name popped up on our phone that like, ooh, like it teaches us what to do more of. So it's like the the gold star that you would get in kindergarten for good behavior. So both of those release in such huge amounts during orgasm that it really causes you to bond with that other person. And so I kind of got to this point with physical boundaries where I was like, wow, okay, okay. So when I, I can attest to guys that I've gone... Pretty far with physically, those breakups have been really messy. Yeah. And most of the time have like ruined chance of friendship. And then, you know, I came across this verse in Proverbs 31 that says, you know, the woman of honor honors her husband all the days of her life. And I was like, whoa, that means like now today as a single woman, how can I honor my husband today with how I'm physically interacting with the guys I'm dating? So, I mean, I I just did. I got real honest with myself, Stephanie. I was like, okay. So at the very least, we know that sex is off the table. <laughs> like yeah. I'm fleeing from sexual yes. immorality, which is any sort of sexual activity with someone that's not my spouse. So that at the very least means sex. And so I was like, okay, so if that's off the table, then oral sex is definitely off the table. Cause if I'm, if we're doing oral sex at some point, like sex is going to happen. And also, so if I'm not going to do oral sex, that means our underwear is going to stay on. Cause if underwear is off, then things are going to be happening. And so if underwear stays on, then that means no hands below the belt. And, and so all that, I was like, okay, so if no hands below the belt, then my pants need to stay on. Cause if my pants, come off, then it's game on. And so if my pants (laughs) come... There's no turning er, around at that point. There's no turning back. I mean, it's amazing how quickly your pants can just fly off. Um, (laughs) I'm like, whoa, I'm like expert. So then from there, I was like, okay, so if I don't want my pants to come off, I probably shouldn't be having sleepovers, man. Because if I'm having sleepovers with the guy I'm dating, like maybe it won't be on the first time. Maybe it won't be in the first week. Maybe won't even be in the first month, but if it's me, it's happening in that first month. (laughs) Um, But that is not setting me up for success. So instead of me looking at like how far can I go, and I like hated growing up in youth group and in college when they're like, well, it's not how pure is too or how far is too far, how pure is too pure, you know. Cause I was like, I'm a physical being. Like I can't, like, I'm not going to be the girl that like waits until marriage to have a kiss. Like I know people that that's their decision and I respect that. That's not my story. So I just had to get real honest with myself, Stephanie, and was like, what can I handle and what is going to set me up for a win and what's going to help me to honor myself honor this person I'm dating, honor our future and ultimately get us to that finish line. And so, yeah, I mean, where I'm at now is it's like, we're doing some mega handholding and some mega makeouts and no sleepovers, you know, no nakedness. Yeah. Um, one of my friends used to call it like naked cuddling. He's like, you know, you're not having sex, but it's like, you're just like cuddling naked. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know anyone who's doing that without having sex. Yeah. Well, you know, I pushed some boundaries. I was a real innovator. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of like where I got there. And what I want to be sure that does not come across out of any, cause I just shared a lot, Uh, like wherever you're at in the journey, wherever you've been, like there is literally no shame. Like Jesus views you like as white as snow, like but like just because that is my boundary does not mean that has to be your specific boundary. I think if anything like my biggest encouragement to women is to like seek God on your own accord and be really honest with yourself, be honest with him and have like a few really trusted safe people that you walk this stuff out with because you know what we're probably gonna blow it, you know. There's like I blow it every single day and everything, you know, and I think it's it's also a lot easier to talk about physical boundaries outside of the relationship. And I realized I'm not in a dating relationship with a guy right now. Another thing I, I kind of knocked off, I knocked off stopping like staying out till I make out because I felt like, man, if... Like then it was like, "Whoa, if all I'm doing until I'm married are these things, then I really want to protect that. I want to like I want a like a hug to feel special again with a guy, and I'm a hugger, and I still hug my guy friends and my girlfriends, but like there's a different sort of romantic hug that is like lingering and amazing and nice, and I just felt like, I just really want to protect a, a lot of that stuff. So there's this movie. Um, he's not that into you, which Love, I love. that movie. Love so it. good. And there's a scene with Jennifer Goodwin and, and Justin Long calls her and he's like, Why are you at home on a Saturday night? And she's like, You won't let me hang out with guys that don't like me. <laughs> and I just like have resonated with that so much because <laughs> I have dated less, but I the quality of guys that I have dated has has increased. And I'm also I'm just like, I know I could go out and have a good makeout. I could date a guy casually, but that's not what I'm looking for. Like I'm looking for the real deal. I want to, I'm, I want to be married. And, and so that's really kind of like being grounded in my why and God's heart and his vision for intimacy has really kind of led me down this path of like, okay, God, so then what does that mean? How are we going to do this as opposed to like, you know, How far can I take this before, you know, getting to the point of getting, going to the point of no return? Does that that, make sense? I feel like I just threw it out there. No, no, that makes total
0: sense. And I, I just, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I just, I, I am with you on everything that you're saying, Kat. I love this. I love, I love the way that you're talking about this. Thank you so much for this. I think that, you know, that was the same, those are the same questions that I asked. Like, if you're trying, if you're making decisions out of like, not wanting to have God be eternally disappointed in you and hate you forever, like that's a different way of doing things. Or if you are thinking of, you know, how, how, how much can I do without officially crossing a line? Because once I cross that line, this is what the consequences or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, there's just different ways that we're taught about this. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies, and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. I had just become a Christian. I had just been like pursued by God. I was in the process of being pursued by God and I was so messy. And so I was under no illusion that i had somehow earned god's love like i i was just in the thick of so many messes when he found me and so there wasn't any part of me that thought that i had like somehow earned it and th- therefore could lose it um mm. and so from that place i really just got to be honest with myself about like how did i feel when i was hooking up with somebody how did i feel mm. if i had sex with someone and didn't Ever hear from them again? Or yeah. how did I feel going through these breakups where we had been so intimate? Like, I mean, my heart was still broken from four of them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but like, I mean, seriously, I just felt like my heart was broken from mm. so many, from so many of those relationships. Still, it just like it wouldn't heal, and mm. and also, you know, I got to think about what I was hoping for from the future. And I think that that perspective of not what am I trying to avoid or what am I trying to get away with or whatever, mm-hmm. but just what am I hoping my future looks like? Mm-hmm. And looking ahead made it so much easier for me to make some decisions of like this, yeah. this is the kind of relationship I want. This is the kind of person I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, it just
1: changed my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important here to just mention, I feel like there are like wherever you've been on the journey, like the enemy is going to make you feel shame. So if you're like, Oh my gosh, I've had like a ton of sex and I feel shame about that, or I've the, you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. I talk to women all the time who are like, I don't even feel worthy to be in a relationship because I'm so inexperienced, or I'm 30 and I've never been kissed. And then you have people every anywhere in between that spectrum and there's shame. And I just think. Thank you to Brene Brown. Like she said something along the lines, you know, you know, shame keeps us small, stuck and hidden. And I just feel like the enemy wants to shame you and God wants to free you. Like there is no shame with Jesus. Like he came so you wouldn't have shame. And I think so. I want to say that like, so if you're feeling just any sort of sexual shame, like that is not from God. Like that is not from God. Um, God has freedom for you and wholeness. And the other thing I think is super important is that like whether or not we have sex doesn't have anything to do with our salvation. And I think I don't know if this is because of growing up in evangelicalism or the South, but it felt like our like virginity or our abstinence was directly linked to our salvation. And that's just not what the scripture says. Like scripture says it's by grace alone that you've been saved through faith. And Jesus is on the cross dying and there's like there's a murderer or a thief next to him on a cross dying too. And Jesus says to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. And he's not like, But like have you been having sex? Like <laughs> No. And so I think we have to also make that distinction is like, if you're a Christian and you're having sex outside of a marriage, that does not mean that you don't love Jesus. Like, I think perhaps it would be an invitation for you to like, I think God might have more for you than that. But like, I just think that there's been so much shame and so many people end up being like, I don't want anything to do with God. Or Jesus because they feel so much shame put on them either by themselves or religion or religious circles or even Christianity because it's like, well, they feel like they can't even be a Christian if that's been their past or where they are currently. So
0: I'm so glad you said that. And the other thing I, you know, and I've been talking to lots of women about this lately that, you know, as we're walking through my, my course, I have a lot of women who are saying, you know. I really want a great relationship, but I feel like I will never have one because of my past. Like, I just Mm -hmm. feel like I'll never have one because of my past. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and I had been a Christian for probably two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And she was two and we were both in relationships and um, she had a ton of Christian friends. I didn't have as many at the time yet. And we're, we're talking and she sort of like, You can tell that she wants to tell me something, but she's sort of sitting on it and and she can't decide if she's going to. And finally she comes out with it. And and what she tells me is that she, like she and her boyfriend weren't having sex, but they had like crossed some lines that they had drawn for themselves. And Mm -hmm. she was feeling so guilty and she was feeling so much shame. And as she told me, I mean, I think she expected my face to like, like my jaw to drop and like me to be totally like horrified at her behavior or something like that. And that's absolutely not what she got from me. Mm. But, you know, as we're talking through it, I'm like, yeah, of course this is hard. Like, she's like, we're just, we're trying so hard to, you know, keep to our boundaries, but it's so hard. They are falling in love and they're so into each other, which is so good. And, Mm -hmm. and she's feeling so much shame. And one of the things that she told me is she said, none of my other friends are struggling in this way. And I was like, hold on a minute. That cannot be true. Yes. That's not true at all. And, and so I think that it's just really important to say that if you are in a relationship, like this is hard, this is really hard. And I had a mentor tell me, she asked me, she was like, Hey, are you, I was dating a guy and she said, are you guys having sex? And I said, no. And she said, "Uh, are you like, is that hard? And I wanted to say, No, it's totally fine because we love Jesus and we're so pure and it's not a big deal. And, Mm. you know, it's not even temptation. But I said, yeah, it's really hard. And she said, good, because you like we are designed to be people who like we were designed this way and sex is good. And when you love someone, that's a natural thing that you want to do. It's part of it. And so if you're in a relationship right now and you are struggling with this, like, good and you're not alone and you are you are not the only one that this is hard for and mm-hmm. yeah. um the other thing that I think I really had to learn the hard way was that if you screw up like you haven't s- screwing up does not mean that you've messed everything up for good right. there were i so i i didn't have sex for all those years but there were a couple times that I crossed boundaries i set for myself and i felt horrible and I felt like all of the things that like all the waiting I had done had gotten tossed out the window and that all of like the future blessings that God might have had for my future marriage were just gone because I had screwed everything Mm -hmm. else up and that's just not the case it's just not the case
1: Um, yeah yeah I hear that and I think it's so important to to share that and just remember that like like God's grace is for us every single second of every single day and even kind of what you were mentioning you know feeling unworthy even of a relationship because of your past like like grace is free and grace has nothing to do with what i have or haven't done and that's the good news right like the good news is that like God made movement towards me when I was far off, God was pursuing me and he still pursues me. And um, I think that's like the beauty of the gospel is like, there's nothing I can do to change God's love for me. There's nothing I can do to earn it, you know, but we're over here. We're like, but let me just like earn it in my relationships or let me like be on my best behavior. And look yes, how good we, I am at this. Yes. And when we love someone and when we love something like we, our decisions do change because of that, you know, like if I, yeah, our like love changes us in that sense. Um, so I but like we're not worthy or unworthy of love or relationship ever. And I just wonder, like if we really took the gospel like at heart, like if I really had the courage to believe that I am a new creation, like if we really believe that, I'm like, that would freaking change the world. Like it's almost like we have a bunch of Christians that are walking around with a limp because they're yeah. like, essentially what we're saying is like, I know better than God. He doesn't know me. Well, he's the God of the universe. He knows you and he still sees you and accepts you. And, and also I completely agree. Like it's the most amazing, awesome biblical thing to be sexually attracted to the person you're with. Like I had a roommate once and she was engaged to her now husband and she was really struggling with like, I don't know if I'm attracted to him. And I was like, do you want to have sex with him? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, let's pause. (laughs) Like if you, it is very okay. And biblical you're like, like what's the difference between a roommate and a spouse is physical intimacy and, you know, shared bank accounts and stuff like that. (laughs) But like, if you don't want to have sex with the person that you're with, like you might be with the wrong person. Um, I mean, it's all you got to do is read the Song of Solomon. That is like the most passionate, erotic, like scandalous. Like, oh my gosh, like yeah. I was reading Song of Solomon 4 yesterday. And that's when the man and woman have sex on their wedding night. And you're just like, whoa, if anyone ever thinks God is shy or blushing, just read Song of Solomon 4. And it is like... Hello, God is so for sex and for sexual chemistry and pleasure. Like God didn't have to make sex amazing, but he did. He didn't have to make food taste good, but he did. Like God cares about our desire and even our pleasure, which I just think is so incredible and freeing.
0: Yes. Well, okay. So Kat, I have some really specific questions. And one of them is with that in mind, Kat, I know that like sex is a big part of marriage. And I I, mm-hmm. I know that for so many of us, our biggest hesitation is like, shouldn't we know if that part of our relationship is there? If if like we're going to have good sexual chemistry before mm-hmm. we make a lifelong commitment, like yeah. speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, of course you want to have, of course you you want to be sexually attracted. You want to know, is there sexual compatibility? And the thing that is, interesting is to figure out like, are there other ways to figure out if I'm sexually compatible with someone besides having actual sex? And there actually are. My friend who is this amazing woman, her name's Jessica Shakir. She got married when she was like 36 or 37. waited until marriage to have sex for the first time. She is so amazing. When she was single and waiting until marriage, she was like fascinated by like, sexual desire and all that stuff. She went to this sex conference for couples. And one of the things that they taught at this, like, wasn't this, it wasn't faith-based or anything, but it was like, if you want to know if you're going to have good sex, have good sex and sexual compatibility with a person, make out with them for 15 minutes. Like, that was secular, like no faith-based, nothing. It was like, if you're able, if you have like sexual chemistry, like during a intense makeout, like 15 minute makeout, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So I remember her telling me that and we were like, oh my gosh, that's so freeing and amazing to know. But also the, the lie that we hear from culture is that you know if you if you don't have good sex with someone like you're you're screwed and that like you need to not date them and not be with them but kind of back to what happens when we orgasm and are physically intimate with someone the dopamine and oxytocin that's released one of the things that happens in there because of the dopamine release is it's rewarding this behavior. And so then it's creating a neural, a neural pathway in your brain that is like craving that same behavior. So essentially the more that you are physically intimate with the same person over a span of a long time over time. So we're talking like years, your body starts to crave them even sexually. And even Mm -hmm. the thought of them can become arousing. And so it's, Actually, the opposite is true. Like, if you want to have the best sex of your life, have sex with one person for like four decades. And the just because of what is the chemicals released in our brains. And that's that is secular scientific research right there. From I can, um, I can have you link to it in the show notes, but that was so fascinating for me to find out because I was like, oh, wow, that's like the great lie, you know, is that we yeah. have to like, you lead with physical intimacy and then you decide, okay, are we sexually compatible? And then it's like, well, are you funny? Do you want kids? Like, you know, do we like spending time together? But yeah. no, actually the the way the body was designed is that the more you climax with someone or something, the more you crave that thing. And on the flip side of that, that's why stuff like pornography is so damaging and people can be in a loving relationship and want to be aroused and have a good sex life with their spouse, but porn has literally damaged It's like damaged them Um, and has done so much damage to them. And I mean, I could talk for a really long time about how damaging pornography is, but the same concept goes on there. Like You're training your body to crave, this is how I climax. This is how I experience intimacy. And the more and more you do that, the more you crave that outlet for it. So that's, that's like the flip side of what, um, that can do. Um, but yeah. And I think back to, so if we're talking about like, is God a loving God and like, does, is God for me? And, you know, is scripture true? Like, does he work all things out together for the good of those who love him is like, you know, just because you wait until marriage to have sex doesn't guarantee you're going to have good sex. Like, you know, I have never had sex before. And, that right out of the gate, I'm not going to be any expert. Like that's going to take time. And I think the beauty of being a committed relationship is okay. Like we're in it for the long haul. So that means it's not performance based. That means we get to talk to each other and read books and ask for help and like, okay, like that didn't feel good. Okay. Does this feel good? Like you have your whole life to figure it out. Like it's probably not going to be amazing sex on your honeymoon if you guys haven't had sex before um it maybe it's going to take a couple months maybe it'll take a year like and but that's the beautiful thing about being in a committed relationship is you have time and the safety to explore each other to figure out what feels good what doesn't feel good and there's so much freedom in that commitment because nope neither person is going anywhere so I don't know if that answers.
0: I love that so much. I love that so much. I feel like that answer, Kat, is just like right out of my heart. I thank you so much for saying that. Okay. I have a hard question that I feel like is just the natural next question. Kat, mm-hmm. what about masturbation? Like, yeah. What are your thoughts about it? And how does that play into everything that we've been talking about?
1: Yeah. It's such a good question. And honestly, we don't have a the enough time here to go fully into that. It's a, I think it's a very nuanced conversation. I actually have a, um, if you want like a more, a deeper dive, I have a whole teaching on it that you can get. It's called how to embrace your sexuality when you're not having sex. And I have a whole lesson and audio teaching on masturbation, but the, like the short answer is when women come to me and ask me, is masturbation a sin? I say, yes, no, maybe. And <laughs> the, you know, Scripture just really doesn't say anything specifically about masturbation. The closest thing that I could find is First Corinthians 6.12 that says, um, essentially, everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. And so kind of the journey that I went on from there is I kind of you know navigate okay what happens what happens when we orgasm and we've talked a lot about that in this episode like the dopamine and oxytocin released and you've seen um, like it's it's bonding it's an um, it's a bonding agent, it's a reward center and so again, this is why pornography like m- masturbation through pornography is a very, very damaging. Um, you're creating a habit in your life that is not only supporting like human trafficking, but is keeping you from intimacy with other people. Um, so I think masturbation through pornography is like 100% a sin, like, no. Um, and a huge part of that is because you are like relationship, like our sexuality is, the human desire to connect with a lowercase other. So someone outside of myself, it's that desire to connect, the desire for intimacy. And that definition comes from Deborah Hirsch in her book, Redeeming Sex. And spirituality is our desire for capital O other. um. So God, right? And so we can't talk about sexuality without talking about God and vice versa. So we think about, so what's the purpose of a relationship? What's the purpose of love? So the purpose of a relationship is to get out of myself, to to be outward focused, like love is servant hearted. Um, love thinks of the other person. Um, and C.S. Lewis has a great teaching on masturbation and he is not for masturbation, Um, And he calls it the harem within. He's like, when you go inward to the harem within, like you're, uh, you're surrounded by like ever adoring brides. So there's, you know, to be in relationship with another broken, wounded person, it, it, there's a cost right like i have to compromise like i have to be confronted with my own crap and and so when we get caught in the harem within it really takes us into this like fantasy land of like my pleasure is of of t- uh, utmost priority like i it's putting me at the center of everything so i think those are some like really Those are some things to really consider with masturbation. Now, the question that I have is like, is it possible to explore my body, to touch myself in a way that um is not escaping into fantasy land whether that's through pornography or just like images in your mind or like erotic books is it possible for me to connect with myself in that way and invite god into that like god like i'm feeling turned on right now like i woo like can like come into this space with me is it is it possible to do that and still stay connected to a space of honor, I actually do think that's possible. So I think that's where we kind of go back to the scripture, like everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. And that's where you have to get like very honest with yourself. Is this a win for me? Why do I want to masturbate? Is it is it because I've just been watching Fifty Shades of Grey? Is it because like I have been reading these like, you know, racy novels? Um, Is it because I feel lonely? Is it because I want to escape? Is it because I am feeling down about these other things? Like, I think when we're escaping reality, that is where things aren't super healthy. But is it okay? Like, I want to connect with myself. I want to explore my body. And I think there's another, you know, there's another scripture that says, Like to love our neighbors as ourselves and something that I wonder and I go through more in the, in the teaching I have on masturbation is like, what if in order to love someone else, I first need to know how to love myself and not view my body and my desire and my, even my genitals as bad? Like I can't accept someone else's desire if I first don't accept my desire. So I feel like. This, it's a hard question to answer because it feels gray and gray is like messy and hard to teach. I would say, you know, it's the most normal thing in the world to want to explore your body. Like we don't shame, like young children are touching their bodies all the time, you know, and kids masturbate and it's not because it's like sexual. They're just like, Ooh, like, When I swim up to those jets in the hot tub, that feels good. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, God, like the invitation with God is to return to a place of innocence. And if we're able to connect with our bodies in that way, innocently as children, then I think that there has to be a way to do that as adults as well. I, I think it's important to look at the whole picture and zoom out and be like, okay, like here's how this can be hard. And like, okay. Have I been addicted to stuff like pornography, then masturbation is probably not a win for me. Like yeah. that might be like this open doorway. So is that clear as mud? <laughs> what yes. I think about
0: that? Yes, clear as mud. But I, I'm really <laughs> grateful for for the fact that you've I, I'm just grateful for the nuance because I think that we we really, really want black and white answers when it comes to mm-hmm. all of this. We want someone to tell us, you're going to be, you're good enough if you do this or don't do this. Your relationship yeah. is going to be perfect if you do this or don't do this. And it's just messier than that. But I mm-hmm. think in that messiness and in that um in those shades of gray are really beautiful opportunities for us yeah. to learn and grow as people for us to right. rely on God for us to like work through some things with the person that we're sharing our life with. And mm-hmm. um so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. So, Kat, my last question for yeah. you is I know that there are women listening who are in the same shoes that I was, where you're sitting here and maybe you're dating someone or maybe you're sort of in between someone's, but you've been having sex or you've been handling your sexuality in a certain way. And you're mm-hmm. thinking, I might want to do this differently, but I don't know how to actually like take the step to do that. And then I think that there's this fear and I know I really, really had this, that what if, Mm -hmm. what if there isn't anyone for me like this? Like, am I totally counting myself out of ever being in a relationship if I decide that I'm not going to have sex until I'm married? And especially, I really want to hear from you on this, especially because because you don't live in a super Mm. conservative small town where everyone is a Christian, you know, it's, I I think that especially when we're living in places where culture is really big and really strong and really bright and loud, like it's really hard to think about Mm. doing things Differently in this area, so yeah, I want to. So okay,
1: so are you saying like is the fear that I'll never be in a relationship? Is the fear like what if I die a virgin? Like what, or what if I die never having sex again? Um, What's well, it just depends on how you want to look at that. For first of all, if a guy, I want a man that is not just a guy that like goes to church on Sundays. I'm looking for a man of God. Like, I'm looking for a guy that is hungry to be in God's presence, that is a man of prayer, that loves being in God's word. And so I think that's going to be a value to him, too. That doesn't mean that he's had to walk that out perfectly, or that, you know, chances are I'm 34. I've dated a lot of guys older than me, I've dated guys that have been divorced. Like, a lot of the people i have dated have a we all have a past okay so first of all if you're with someone and they're judging you from your past like don't be with that person and okay. second if you're with a person who doesn't honor that boundary then he's not the person for you so yeah does it shrink down your pool heck yes but it also has saved me from um, some unnecessary heartache because, you know, I, by date three, I've let the guy know, Hey, just so you know, I'm waiting until marriage to have sex. And that's not like a cute thing. I say, like, I really mean that. And I walk that out. And so I just want to let you know where I'm at because as that's a deal breaker for me, it can be a, a deal breaker on the other side of things too. So honestly, it saved me from a lot of heartache and, you know, my, I have a I am in the process of writing a book right now. And um, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, my The first chapter that I submitted to the publisher was my chapter on masturbation. And my agent said, you know, there's two ways you can look at this. Like that chapter is going to scare a lot of publishers off, but it's going to rise to the top, the people that you really want. So maybe there's going to be less... Offers, maybe you're not going to have 15 offers, but it's going to be like four really solid offers. And I was like, I would so much rather that. Like, yeah. you know, I I want, yeah. I want, I would rather that. So yeah, you know, my mom sometimes is like, oh, your stands are too high. I'm like, they're really not. Like, I'm not looking for perfect. I'm not looking for like this, like theological giant, you know, like he doesn't have to do the same thing that I'm doing. I want him to have a heart for God. Um, And I am fine waiting for that Um, because I think outside of that, you know, the other question of like, so what if I never get to have sex again? Or what if I never get to have sex ever? Um, Well, that's going to be really sad. I'm going to be really, really devastated about that. However, what is the core goal of my life? is it to be married is it to have sex or is it to know god and make his name known like like really i feel like this is where i'm like oh my gosh i'm so cheesy christian and cheesy christian people are so weird but i'm like like jesus is the prize here <laughs> like and i think so much in the church we make marriage the prize and we uh, you know ma- uh, yes. ch- the church revolves around like the married family unit and I live in New York City where I go to a church where it's 80% of the people are single and of those 80%, almost all of those people are college educated and they're late twenties to, to mid forties. So it's not like we're like this night, everyone's 19 and single. It's like we have executives at Google who are single and in their forties. And so I think we have to reclaim, like, what is my identity and what, like, what's the main goal here? Like, yes, I'm going to be honest with God always. That I have a desire to be in a relationship. I want to be a wife. I want to be a mother. And I would also love to experience sexual intimacy with my spouse. But if that doesn't happen, then I just trust that, like, it's for God's good. And, like, his no means that he has a greater yes for me. And, I, and, like, I'm saying that from a place of, like, I'm 34 and I'm single and I really, really want to be married. But, like, I'm like, if God is real, then like, he's for my good. And so, yeah, it might mean that I date less guys. Yeah. It might mean I'm not promised marriage, but I get, I get Jesus. And like, I just want to want him more than I do every day. Like he's the prize. So now that I've like, Totally revealed myself as a cheesy Christian who's like, it's all about Jesus. But I'm like, really, like if we really understood that, like, like Jesus, Jesus is really the is. prize. Like the blessing isn't the prize. It's the one who provided it who's the prize. So I love that.
0: Kat, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for talking us through this and just being a being a great friend along the way and being an incredible guide. Um, We're going to link to everything that you shared uh, in the show notes. So guys, don't worry if you're like, wait, Mm -hmm. what did Kat say about this? We're going to have it all linked. Um, But friend, I, I am such a fan of yours and I'm so grateful for the work that you do. And I'm just so glad I get to be your
1: friend. Same. It's been so great. And yeah, I just feel like this is just the beginning of our friendship. I can't wait to meet in real life. And I'm just so for you. And I just really believe that God wants to encourage women and a generation of even single women who maybe feel discouraged or even forgotten by God. Like God sees you, like God hears you and he's working on your behalf. And yeah, I just have so much hope for this group of women that are listening and just really, really hope and pray that God meets you where you're at and reveals himself and his love to you.
0: I love that. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Bye. You guys, isn't Kat amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find any of the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including all of Kat's contact info so you guys can follow along with her and so y'all can be friends. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure that your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our show so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thank you so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.